if you are trying to do a podcast for the sole reason of making money or requiring new customers, it's just going to become another laborious activity. So only do it if you're going to really enjoy talking about whatever it is that you're talking about. Welcome to the Nutka Sound Podcast. I'm your host, Nemanja Kolyaya, a professional sound engineer, audio editor and podcast producer, and a CEO and founder of Nutka Sound, a professional podcast production facility. Today, we are here with Harry Evans, one of two hosts for the Big Time Marketing Podcast, where they go over digital marketing news, opinions, and discussions from the world of search and cover everything from SEO to digital PR. It's awesome to have you here, Harry. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you very much for having me. I'm uh, looking forward to this. Yeah, totally. Can you tell me more about the Big Time Marketing Podcast? What is it about and how you got started? Yeah, sure. So I think you actually covered it quite well in terms of a summary. So it might make more sense to give a bit of a background in terms of Era and how we started the podcast, first of all. So I'm a digital team lead at a company called Era, who are a full-scale digital marketing agency based in the UK. And what that covers is, like you said, anything from search, so SEO, PPC, all the way through to content and PR and link building. And myself and a co-host, Dan, got together one day and we just started talking about how more and more people are listening to podcasts and there are more and more marketing podcasts coming about. And I guess we thought there might be a bit of a gap in the market to have something that gives actionable advice, not just kind of case studies, but it also says, why don't you try this? Or we at Error with our vast array of clients have had really good success doing a specific piece of SEO activity, for example. Why don't you try that and then report back? So we kind of started it for two reasons. One, to just talk about something that we're really passionate about. So Dan, myself, and pretty much everybody at Error, the reason we work at Error is because we're really passionate about what we do. So it's a good opportunity just to get together once a week, once a month, whatever it may be, and just talk about something that we really enjoy. But secondly, you know, it is a great piece of marketing material for us as well. We can put that out on Aero's social channels or our individual social channels. Some of the people at Aero have quite big followings and that means we can get out to not just people within our industry, so other SEOs or other people that work in paid media, but also potential clients, you know. So it might be that maybe the director of a small company down the road follows me on Twitter. They hear the podcast, hear something that we're talking about and think, actually, yeah, I'd like some help with this and then get in contact with us. So I guess there's a multiple reasons why we started the podcast, but hopefully that gives a bit of an overview. Yeah, of course. And did you have a specific goal behind starting the show? So that is a great question. I think the goal that maybe myself and Dan had was probably a bit different to the goal of our bosses at Era, to be honest. So Dan and I wrote down on a piece of paper, we just want to get one person listen. That is all we wanted. That would have been success to us if one person that wasn't a friend, family or colleague listened to the podcast and that was success. For the bosses and I guess those funding the podcast at Era, the goals and the KPIs were slightly different. So off the back of that, we sat down and we put some rough numbers together. You know, in six months time, we would like X amount of listens, for example. And then maybe in a year when we look back, we might be able to say, we actually obtained one client who listened to this podcast at some point in their journey to becoming an era client. So from Dan and I's side, it was very much just have one person listen to something that we're really passionate about. 
But from a business point of view, it was obviously, let's try and generate one customer from this podcast. Yeah, of course. And what I'm interested in hearing, is the podcast intended for the employee-based era or is it intended for the general public? And what do you think about this trend of companies starting a podcast intended for their employees? So I'd say the podcast is a benefit to our employees, but maybe not in the same way that some other companies do that. So one thing that goes on a lot in the digital marketing space is there are a lot of conferences. And one of the reasons we actually started working with you is we'd recorded our first episode to promote a big conference that we were going to be holding ourselves called MK Go. And we just wanted to promote that. But there's a ton of different kind of public speaking events that go on within our industry. And one thing that we're really passionate about error and something I encourage my team to do at error is, you know, do some of these public speaking gigs, but it can be a bit daunting, you know, to go and speak in front of 100, 200, 300 people, especially if you haven't done it before, or maybe you're a more junior employee of ERA. So the podcast is a great opportunity for people within ERA to essentially do public speaking, but without the pressure of being in a room with a couple of hundred people, right? It's just myself, Dan, and them in a room talking about something that they know really well. So that's the benefit for ERA for sure is not so much the content that we produce, they can then listen to and gain knowledge on. Because to be honest, the stuff that we're talking about is very rarely groundbreaking. I mean, I did one interview last week that was probably the most cutting edge that we've done. But most of the time, it's just insights into different ways of doing SEO or a different way of doing PPC. So most of the people at Aero would be familiar with those concepts, but we see the benefit in them having the ability to kind of practice their public speaking. Yeah, I see. The interesting thing about the podcast is that the show has two hosts, you and Dan. And when it comes to the workflow of preparing for an episode, does having a co-host help make things easier or does it make it harder in terms of logistics and everything? Okay, so that is a great question. And I think there are, again, two answers. So in terms of the logistics, 100% it helps. So I think if it wasn't for Dan, to be perfectly honest, I don't think the big time marketing podcast would have ever got off the ground. So to give a bit of context, so I'm the team lead and then Dan works within my team. So on a day-to-day basis, Dan's very much in the work doing a lot of the SEO activity. And I spend most of my time in meetings. So if it wasn't for Dan, we wouldn't have got a lot of the background work done in terms of sourcing the equipment, deciding what tool we were going to use to record, what we were going to use in Castor or what we were going to use something else. Yeah. Were we going to find an editor, that kind of thing. And to be honest, without Dan, that wouldn't have happened. So that 100% helps. However, what I would say is the actual logistics of doing the recording are a bit more of a challenge when there are two hosts. In person, it works well. So if it was myself, Dan, and a guest in a room, it works quite well. But obviously, with the coronavirus situation at the minute, all of our interviews are being recorded remotely. And it is a bit more of a challenge because you run into the risk of people talking over each other. It's very difficult to gauge where Dan is going to go versus where I want to go with the conversation when we're not in the same room. So yes, it definitely presents a challenge. And one thing that last week, actually, Dan and I was discussing is maybe we do the background work together. So we find who we want to interview, we reach out to them, get that booked in. But then we take it in turns to actually do the interview. So one episode would be myself, one episode would be Dan, take it in turns just to make the recording process that bit easier. Interesting. Speaking of which, can you walk me through your process of preparing for an episode? Yeah, sure. So Dan, I and everyone at Air are very passionate about what we do. So most of the time, we don't need to spend masses of time doing the background research on a particular subject area. That piece we've got very much down. What we normally do is we will 
sit down at the start of the month, maybe the start of the quarter, we tend to break it into three month sprints, sit down and say, well, what do we want to talk about? Or what can we see is scheduled in? So for example, we knew that in May there was going to be an algorithm update to Google. So we knew that in May we needed to talk to somebody who works in search optimization. So we'd break that down into almost like a content calendar and say, this week we're going to be talking about this subject. Then the following week we'll be talking about a different subject. And then we will go, okay, well, who is well known within the industry who would want to talk about that? And equally, who do we think that we even know or is easily accessible? So the great thing about our industry is pretty much everybody is on Twitter. So (laughs) we can go, okay, we want to talk to this person. We'll just send them a tweet. Or if we don't send them a tweet, maybe one of the co-founders of Aero will, because obviously their voice might carry a bit more weight. We'll then book them in. And in the run-up to the recording itself, we tend to send them a rough outline, not really a script, but just we want to break the interview down into 15-minute segments. In segment one, we will talk about kind of your background. Then we'll talk about the reason you're here. So that particular subject area, anything else that you're passionate about. And then finally, we'll just wrap up with maybe a quick fire Q&A or something like that. So the process is probably a bit more laid back than some people. But I think that's just the nature of our industry. You know, we're the kind of people we rock up to the office in shorts and t-shirts and stuff like that, you know. So we are a bit more relaxed, but the process is fairly straightforward. Yeah, but I really think that's like the great way to organize things. And it does sound really easy when you say it like that. Usually like people take a lot of effort to organize their schedule. And yeah, it really does sound easy when you say it like that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I think that's fair as well. I definitely simplified some of that process. But to be honest, it it is quite close to that. But you are right in what you said there, though. The biggest difficulty is working around people's schedules, especially the first couple of guests that we had on the podcast were based. So like I said, we're based in the UK, but they were based in the US or Canada. So there was also a time difference there. So I think the first one that we recorded, Dan did it from his home. I did it from the office and our guest was in the US, but I'm pretty sure we didn't record it till kind of like, nine o'clock in the evening or something like that to work around them. That's very much as the host, that's what you have to do, right? You have to be very flexible around the interviewee schedule. So that's definitely something that I would highlight for anybody looking to get into this. Yeah, totally. It's been a couple of months since you've started the podcast. Can you tell me what has been the effect of it and how has it affected the era as a brand? So from a personal perspective, it's definitely increased my personal brand within both era and within the industry as a whole. So I found that I gained many more Twitter followers and more connections on LinkedIn and stuff like that, which is really helpful for one, obviously, if I need to promote myself, but also to promote the other great work that people within era are doing. So that's really interesting. We've also found like, don't get me wrong, we haven't done a huge amount of podcasts, especially we had a bit of a hiatus while we tried to figure out the business's plan for coronavirus and stuff like that. But we have found that the more we do, we get that momentum and it's easier to book guests and it's also easier to turn them around. So at the start, we may have given ourselves a month in the run-up to the first interview. Whereas now, if I wanted to interview someone tomorrow, I could probably drop them a text and say, hey, should we chat tomorrow? And I'd feel comfortable doing that. The effect it's had on error has been an interesting one. So one thing that we preach and preach and practice and practice in our industry is being able to track and measure as much as possible. So out of the box, you know, a lot of the tools like we use Transistor to distribute our podcast that will give us analytics on who's listening, how long they're listening for, what platforms that they're listening on. But we have tied that in with a CRM system called HubSpot and it allows us to 
if they interact with the podcast on our website, we can get a rough idea of who they are, um, especially if they give us their email address. Say they subscribe to our newsletter or something like that. We can start to see how many clients or potential clients have listened to the podcast. And since we've been going, we've had a handful of potential clients listen to the podcast. So people that we've either been pitching to or have listened to the podcast and then maybe asked us to pitch for something, which has been really good. And we've also had, I've had personally some really good feedback from existing clients. So the benefits error has been twofold. One in new business generation, there's definitely been opportunities that have been generated, but also for existing clients, it's really reaffirmed their belief that we are at the leading edge of what we do. You know, there's not a huge amount of people doing podcasts in our industry. I mean, don't get me wrong, there are a good number of them, but not everybody is doing them. So it's something that they can lean on and say to their colleagues or their friends or other business owners, hey, the agency I work with have a podcast or they do this. So that's been really positive. And a quick question popped into my head. I'm going to go off script, so bear with me. <laughs> <laughs> For you as a team leader, how hard was it to organize all of your manpower now in the times of the coronavirus? I'm guessing you were put into a position where everybody from the office is actually working from home. So how did you approach that? So that's a really interesting story, actually. So we outgrew our old office and we actually moved into a new office in November. So we only had four months in the office before we had to all go remote. So we haven't had a huge amount of time to spend in that office, which I know the co-founders and, and obviously pretty much everybody at Air is disappointed with. But we were lucky in the sense that the industry we work in to survive and get by, all we need really is a laptop in the internet. If we have Wi-Fi and a laptop, we can do pretty much whatever we need to do anywhere in the world. So that process wasn't too difficult in comparison to some organizations. Combined with... Like Matt and Paddy, the two people that run the company, some of the best people that I've ever met, and they were able to really transition that shift very well. And then the leadership team were able to do the same. And then that came down to my level. And then I was able to distribute out anything that we needed to do within my team. So the actual organization process hasn't been too bad. But what I would say just on that is probably the biggest transition was the mental side of things. So everyone at Aero is quite social. They like to be in the office. They like to bounce ideas off one another. You know, we like to be next to each other. And suddenly we haven't been next to each other for poor, six, seven months or something crazy like that now. So from the mental side, I think the toll it's taken from a mental perspective is probably more difficult than the toll it took from an organization and productivity perspective. But again, people have adapted pretty well and everyone in my team is, is up to speed now and really engaged with remote working. And like all the stories that you hear on Twitter and you've probably heard from other interviews that you've done is a portion of my team would happily never go back to the office. Yeah. You know, they're really happy working remote now. And then the other half would very much like to be in the office. So I think in the long run, it might change the way that we work. Yeah. But the process in comparison to some organizations really hasn't been bad. Like I certainly can't complain. Okay. And what I'm interested in hearing is when creating the episode names for a show, any show, what is the best way to approach it in terms of the SEO? So... And to be honest, we don't spend too much time looking at the naming conventions from an SEO perspective. If you're looking to increase your rankings in search for a podcast, optimizing each podcast name, for example, each episode name definitely isn't the way to go about that. But what we did do and what we're very lucky with really is, like I said, in our industry, people are very big on public speaking. And all the people that we've interviewed so far are public speakers. And one of the things that you do when you speak at an event 
is you have to give your talk a title, right? So most of the times they will come to us and say, well, I want to talk about this particular subject. I've actually already done a talk on it. The talk was titled this. And then we can just use that as our podcast episode name, which is great. Or what we will do is we won't give it a name until after we've recorded, see if there's an interesting soundbite and then use that. So to give you an idea of one that recently, so the last episode that we did, the guy that joined us, Stuart, I know him really well. And we didn't put anything together until after we'd spoken. And during the chat, he said something that was really interesting. It was, we were talking about experimentation on the internet. And he said, we are the test subjects. Experimentation is everywhere. And that is a great soundbite. Yeah. So all we had to do really was bang that into the title, job done. To answer your question real quickly, I'll touch on it. And this is a very simplified version. But if you do want your podcast to start ranking, you have two options really. One is you need to make sure that your podcast page on your website is optimized for search and it's optimized for the subject areas that you're talking about. That's where the benefit from an organic perspective is going to come from. If you then want to start appearing in like the top 100 business podcasts on Spotify and stuff like that, that is very much down to volumes of listeners and also reviews. So pitch reviews as much as possible if you're lacking for growth there. And like I said, if you're lacking for growth on your website, really focus on optimizing the landing page of the entire podcast series rather than an individual episode. Interesting. Would you say, is it the same for the episode descriptions? Is it worth spending time to actually jot down all the keywords and everything like that? So that, that is really interesting. So we have a subset of keywords that we kind of use for every episode. So we can pretty much be certain that every episode that we record for the Big Time Marketing Podcast is going to cover kind of one of, let's say, eight subject areas, right? So in each episode within like Transistor where you can list the keywords, we just have a default set that we put in for every one. We don't change that on an episode basis. We also don't spend too much time optimizing the descriptions and stuff like that. But again, that could be because we're in the fortunate position that Era as a brand and Dan as a brand have relatively good reach. So I think, you know, in most cases, all of our platforms probably have over a thousand social followers. Then we have people within Era that are probably up at a 10 to 14,000 followers on Twitter and stuff like that. So we have a really good way of doing organic outreach without people having to find us. If you're in an industry where, you know, you don't have too much of a following, then I could see the benefit of maybe trying to optimize each podcast episode just to get as much traction as possible. We are just in the fortunate position that we don't have to do that. Okay, and you've already touched upon this, but what are some specific things you can do to make sure your podcast ranks better organically? So yeah, like I said, I can do a quick summary there is definitely focus on reviews. I think that's probably the same across the board. Anything that you're Although you're not actively trying to sell a podcast, that's essentially what you're doing, right? You're trying to sell your episode to someone and then they buy it with their time. So each big time marketing podcast episode is between 30 and 40 minutes long. So someone has to dedicate probably a lunch break or a commute to listen to that in full. So we need to sell that to them. And if you're trying to sell something, the best way to do that, you know, restaurants do it, e-commerce websites do it, is reviews. So generate as many reviews as possible organically, the best way to do that is you know, just ask people, find people that are listening to it, ask the people that are following you on Twitter, hey, please, can you leave us a review? This will really help people buy from people. So asking them to do that will definitely help from a pure organic search perspective. So trying to appear higher in SERPs for you now on Google for specific terms, you need to optimize your landing page. So if you don't have a page 
specifically dedicated to your podcast on your website, get one. That is tip number one. And then once you have that, make sure you optimize that. And what I mean is, like you referenced, make sure that you are talking on that page about the topics you're going to be discussing in the podcast. You know, there's no point. It's like error in a real basic format. So say we're trying to talk to someone about Google ads, or we know that we're going to talk about Google ads and we're going to talk about Facebook ads. If we don't mention that anywhere on our website or on that specific landing page, we're never going to rank for those specific terms. So make sure you are talking about the topics that will be covered in your podcast. Okay. And do you guys promote the show in any way? So we don't do any paid promotion. Everything that we do is organic. In the run up to, like I said, we first started working with you to talk about, you know, really pushing an episode ahead of our own event, which was going to take place. Um, that has been pushed back. So the plan is that when we go to run that again, we will maybe do some paid promotion just to increase the leverage that we have before that event. But the only real promotion that we do at the minute is purely organic via LinkedIn and via Twitter. They're the two most powerful channels for us. But that's obviously, you know, because we are working within a B2B, a business to business arena. So you're going to find those people on Twitter or you're going to find those people on LinkedIn. If you're more consumer focused or you have a podcast these, you know, if you're talking about soccer, for example, you've got a soccer podcast, then Facebook is going to be a great channel for you to promote that as well. And it's just knowing where, again, your customers or your listeners are going to be. So all the promotion that we do is organic. Okay. And can you tell me how hard is it to find guests for you guys? How do you go about doing that? Yeah, okay, again, so we're in the lucky position that between everybody at Aero, we will hopefully know someone that's going to be able to talk about a specific area. And in most of the time, those relationships have gone from an acquaintance to a colleague and then to friends. So most of the people that we're speaking to are friends of someone at Aero. So we've had some really big guests on the show. So for example, we spoke to Rand Fishkin, who is the founder of a company called Spark Toro. Um, anybody that works in our industry will know him as the guy that founded Moz. So he's very big within the industry, but he's friends with the co-founder of Era. So that was quite a nice one to be able to get on. And then the most recent one, for example, that I spoke to was a good friend of mine that I'd worked with in the past. So we don't find it too difficult to book guests, but that is just because, like I said, we are quite well connected within the industry. So if I was trying to start a podcast about soccer, I might find it a bit more difficult to find people that want to come on and talk to me. Yeah, totally. How hard was it for you to set up the whole thing, like everything from the recording equipment to the actual distribution across streaming platforms? So I would say harder than the internet makes out. So obviously the podcast boom has been happening for a couple of years now, but it's growing pretty much every day. The people listening to podcasts, the people that promoting and actively presenting podcasts it is growing all the time. And you can Google, you know, how to start a podcast and a list, a five-step process will yeah. come up. Yeah. <laughs> That's really easy. I'll just do that. And yeah. that absolutely wasn't the case. So we started off basically by finding, I think if you Google how to start a podcast, one of the first pieces that comes up is a list of the equipment that you will need. And we basically purchased every piece of equipment on that list with no idea how to use any of it. Yeah. So, you know, we, we ended up with a couple of microphones, some sound defenders, all that kind of stuff, and absolutely no idea how to use any of it. So, so yeah. Dan and I, like we did a test recording, for example, and we didn't know how to set up the microphones. And it just sounded like both of us were sat in boxes in different rooms trying to shout at each other. <laughs> it really wasn't very good. So 
there was a learning there. So in terms of using the equipment, that was a huge learning curve. And we had to spend a lot of time on YouTube doing our research. And also with you, working with you, you helped us very much in terms of understanding how to best set up the equipment, which was really useful. I don't think without that human to human interaction, we wouldn't have got as far as we were able to get. Same goes for the recording equipment itself in terms of software. So we use Zencaster to do our recordings. I find that is a really good piece of equipment, but that was, again, trial and error. I think we went through four or five different services before we ended up there. And then, like I said, we used Transistor for our distribution. And that was just through a referral of someone that Dan knows that has a podcast. So the process was by no means straightforward. There was a lot of trial and error. And I mean, we're still learning every time. So we've had episodes where we've recorded in different rooms in the office and the sound quality hasn't been very good. Or, you know, like before we recorded our first episode, I think it was literally like two or three minutes before my microphone just stopped working and I had to use just like the computer audio on my Mac, which was a bit of a shambles. So yeah, a lot of do stuff, see if it works. If it doesn't work, try again. But yeah, we're learning all the time. Interesting. Are there any resources you can recommend to people who are starting out? I'd say YouTube is a huge one. There's pretty much every piece of information you need will be on YouTube and that'll help you out. So we spent a lot of time, you know, like just typing in the serial numbers of our microphones and then finding videos on how to set them up or how to troubleshoot them if they weren't working correctly. So YouTube is huge and you can't really put a price on having someone who knows what they're doing helping you out as well. You know, like, yes, you charge, for example, you charge as a certain fee to edit the podcast, but the added value that you bring of being able to help us with any audio setups or issues that we have on that side of things are invaluable. So if you don't know somebody, paying someone to help you do the more technical side of things is massive. You know, it means that you provide something that's more professional that people will actually want to listen to. But also the time saving is huge. Like if Dan or I tried to edit the podcast, we'd probably still be on episode one because we don't know what we're doing. Yeah. So pulling on, yeah, pulling on people that know what they're doing is usually powerful. Yeah, totally. I mean, the sound production really is technical and I've spent a decade now mastering the craft and yeah, I mean, you can do it by yourself. I'm not going to say you can't do it. You can do it and you have to spend a lot of time actually studying it and trying it out and it's a steep learning curve, but once you get it, it's kind of easy, <laughs> I think. <laughs> okay. And do you have any advice for people who are starting out? I think my biggest piece of advice would just be it's pretty cheesy is to just stick with it yeah we recorded a couple of test episodes just between dan and myself they were terrible they had never seen the light of day you know we could have we could have listened back to the first one and gone absolutely not this is terrible let's just stop let's just quit while we're ahead <laughs> yeah. i think so that's the first one is just keep going like each episode gets better over time if you're not used to it like hearing your own voice back is super weird so again just sticking with it and you get used to it over time so like I personally couldn't really listen to the first episode because I hated the sound of my own voice. Whereas now I can listen to them all the way through and have no problems. So perseverance and just sticking with it is definitely the biggest piece of advice that I can give. Yeah, that's totally true. And what are some of the podcasts you listen to in your spare time? Oh, great question. I listen to loads of different podcasts. So I like to be able to switch off when I'm either commuting from the office when that was a thing or when I'm at the gym and stuff like that. So I listen to a lot of the sports-based podcasts and obviously being from the UK, a lot of those from the BBC. So there's ones about Formula One or there's ones about football, soccer, those kind of things. I love some of the more well-known podcasts as well, like This American Life or there's a really big one in the UK called My Dad Wrote a Porno. That's really good. So <laughs> yeah, I listen to 
pretty much everything from, you know, the industries that we're in to comedy to sport. The array is massive. Cool. Okay, any last words you'd like to share with us? I think the biggest thing that I could say is that as time goes on, the more I enjoy doing these podcasts. So if people are thinking of doing them, I think just make sure that you're doing them for the right reasons. You know, I said earlier that the reason Dan and I did that was because we just wanted an opportunity to be able to take an hour from our week and just talk about something that we really love. And then if only one person listened to it, then that was success for us. If you are trying to do a podcast for the sole reason of making money or requiring new customers, it's just going to become another laborious activity. So only do it if you're going to really enjoy talking about whatever it is that you're talking about. Yeah, totally. And I mean, uh, to me, it's kind of quite obvious when somebody starts a podcast from, I don't know, financial reasons. And then when somebody starts a podcast because they really enjoy what they do, I think there's a big difference there. And you can tell, you know. Yeah, I just don't actually, I think when we first started working together, you messaged me saying, do you understand this is going to be a lot of work? I want to make sure that dad and yourself have the time to dedicate to that. And and we were a bit like, yeah, yeah, of course. Just like (laughs) half an hour, how hard can it be? And that definitely isn't the case. Yeah. But like I said, we really enjoy doing it. So it's great. Totally. Okay. Where can our listeners reach you and check out your show? So you can reach the podcast. So it's called the Big Time Marketing Podcast. If you just go to era.net forward slash the big time marketing podcast and error is spelled a-i-r-a and obviously if you just search harry evans on linkedin i think i'm the first one that comes in if anybody had any just general questions about starting a podcast i'd be happy to help awesome well thank you so much for taking the time to do this it's been a pleasure talking to you no worries thank you very much for having me it's been a great half hour also that's it Thank you for listening. Make sure you share this podcast with your friends and click that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. If you have any questions for us or suggestions about a topic we can cover related to the podcasting industry, leave a comment below or send us an email at info at nutkasound.online. If you're a podcast producer, show host or an audio editor and would like to be on the show, send us an email. We would love to have you here. Also, make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram under the handle at Pod. Tune in to our next episode where we talk to Nick Harter about his contribution to the Out of Trouble podcast. Peace out.